What's up, everybody? This is Just the Quip. I'm one of your hosts, Chase Williams. To my right, it's finally summertime, Stephen Shavana. It's summer. And then to my left is the newly shaven <laughs> David Wilson. I miss it more than anybody. Trust oh, my me. God. You look so beautiful. Like, don't. You do look no, beautiful. Not for you a second. Not for a second regret that decision. <laughs> I, I, I miss the beard. It's going to come do. back. I can already see the, the just, first half of it. But it's, it's going to have to go again once I go back out to the field. <sighs> that's true. But, uh. I mean, you should have kept it in a box. <laughs> you know, it could have been like, it's like your grandfather's ashes, you know. It's just your it's beard. Yeah. my precious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, everybody, this is uh, Just the Quip, another episode of Just the Quip. I don't know what episode we're actually on. I think this might be the fifth episode of Just the Quip. I'm not sure. Four, at least, I think. Yeah, if you're not familiar with Just the Quip, it's completely different from our flagship series, Witty Banter. What we do... (laughs) Yeah, you like that flagship? It's definitely a flagship series. With four sails billowing (laughs) in the wind. This is the Honda Accord. (laughs) Yes. What we do here on Just the Quip is there's no set topic, no set time limit. We basically come to the episode with something to talk about. And this episode is going to be all about Formula One. Uh, we've got all of my Formula One fans here at the table. All two of them. All two of them. And we've been we've been itching to do a podcast like this for a while. Yeah. So um, we're going to talk about the sport, some news that's been going on surrounding the sport itself. We might get into some of the actual races this season a little later on, but you know, no promises. It's just the quip, though. We can do whatever we want, guys. It's just the quip. But before we get started, David Wilson brought the fucking thunder today well i figure if we're going to do formula one we're going to do it classy formula one and we're going to be looking at some scotch whiskeys here yeah, which is amazing so what did, what did you bring today so the two that i brought here is a great king street blended scotch whiskey it's okay. their artist blend um so this is a blended not a single malt uh what they do is they take different distilleries different uh, barrels different ages all that kind of stuff and they they combine them into a single batch and so the nice thing about blended is that you typically get very consistent flavors, very consistent colors because they have master blenders there on site that then, you know, they know what the flavor profile is supposed to be. It's like a formula they're going for. Yes. And you know, I've talked to blenders before and it's, I could never do their job. Their palate has to be just spot on. You have to be able to create a, a, a single profile off of maybe 20 bottles that you have available. And then the next year that you have to make that same profile, you may only have seven bottles, seven batches to to pull from. And you still have to be able to to know how much to add of each to create the flavor that you want and that, that you can depend on. Pretty incredible. That's the way you pay the big bucks. It's very, yeah. very intense. Um, so the first one that we're drinking right now is this King Street. Correct. Now, have you had a chance to try it yet? No. Have you smelt it? Uh, I've, I've just like swirled just around in my glass, uh-huh. and the aroma came out of this glass <laughs> up to you know the foot and a half. Up it to my smells nose. really good. I could tell it smells good. It looks really good. It looks like a white wine, like we were saying earlier. You now. Know, it's like, I'm not, I like, I enjoy drinking scotch. I'm not anywhere near an expert whatsoever. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. The first sort of biggest flavor I got out of this one was almost like a, like a bit of like leather in a way. Um, yeah, you're going to get that a lot from the oak barrels that they age it in kind of some of the earthy oaky tones. And I agree that I always get a bit of a leather kind of taste or smell out of that. Um, again, this one's, you can tell just from the other one that I bought 
or brought is very light. Yeah, very light in color, and it's I think in general for a scotch, it's pretty light in color. Um, it's smooth too. Yeah. It's very smooth. Um, there's not really very little peat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people will talk about the peatiness of a of a whiskey, which is pretty polarizing. I feel like at times. absolutely. Uh, I can I can I can drink some, but it pretty much kills your taste buds after you have a sip or two. That's what we're looking for. So uh, I, tend, I tend to personally not buy PD scotches. You know, I will drink some PD scotches. My buddy Evan has a couple that are incredibly PD. He has the, what is it, the Octomore. It's a Brook Lottie. Now, when you uh, say PD, like, how would you describe that flavor exactly? The best way to describe it is earth. Because mm-hmm. um, they, they pull the water from peat bogs. Or, it, you know, the water is filtered through these peat bogs there in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And actually, I didn't realize for a long time that's where you get the peaty flavor is actually from the water, from and that's why, and that's why um, really only certain areas, you know, they they break the whiskeys into certain islands or is islays, yeah, 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 you know, certain regions of Scotland and where these these whiskeys are produced, and it's actually a, you know a specific region of Scotland that produces these peaty uh, scotches. It's because the water ah. that's present in those areas, and that's what brings the peat flavor to the whiskey. Well, this one so far has it. It's really drinkable for me. Like the sip is not harsh. You know, it doesn't have like a big bite to it, and which I, of course, enjoy. Like I don't. I'm not here to wrestle with a titan. Yeah, I'm here to enjoy. Yeah, and so far I have been able to. Agreed. This is again. Both of these are not real peaty, so they're not going to overwhelm you with this just hit of earthy kind of flavor. And the peatiness tends to just overwhelm your taste buds. And like you always want to save a peaty scotch to the very end because you won't uh, be able to taste anything after after that, you, after that yeah. bottle. <laughs> so always save the peatiest for the end because it will just destroy your taste buds and you won't be able to taste anything afterwards. But yeah, I, I really enjoy this. this. is a really nice blended. You know, of course, everyone always thinks of a blended whiskey as Johnny Walker. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the first one that comes okay. to mind um as far as they're the big name in blended scotch whiskeys so you know i like johnny walker it's a good it's a good consistent brand no doubt about it you go get you go get a black label it's going to always taste like a black label you know there's nothing wrong with that and that's kind of the same thing they're going for here but i find this is a little lighter a little smoother in taste something yeah you could drink a couple of glasses and not just feel overwhelmed by the taste not wake up the next day in a I can't guarantee that. <laughs> yeah, you could still see the alcohol is on the it, end of this glass. Like this is still gonna mean an eighty proof. Pool this water is, on a sunburnt kid, you know. Exactly. Like <laughs> sunburnt kid. That's perfect. All right. Uh, well, let's get into our first little topic here. This one I really liked, um, and I I want to bring it to you guys to see what you have to say, because I feel like what this one is talking on, talking about is something that we've we sort of we sort of take for granted in the sport. So this one is a quote from Mark Weber. Um, and it's an article that he did at motorsport.com or an article about him. And he says, Mark Weber believes that rapidly degrading tires and overtaking aids like DRS detract from the appeal of formula formula one rather than add to it. So he's got a bunch of, he's got some big quotes here. So bear with me. I'm going to, I'm going to run through them real fast. Mark Weber says, quote, if you look at sports like football or tennis at an elite level, there hasn't been a huge amount of change. If you make the goals bigger in football, Messi isn't going to be happy. Um, unfortunately, people 
where am, where am I? Unfortunately, people now expect to see 20 passing moves per Grand Prix, and it's sort of standard now. I think we could do with racing with less overtaking and better quality across the board. It's absolutely not the driver's problem. It's just that's what they're having to deal with. Better quality across the board as in, like, a more level playing field in terms of, like, quality of uh, cars? Like... Or more just, just maybe just more consistent from year to year. Oh, year to year. Okay. I mean, I don't know. Like, that's just something we'd have to read into because he doesn't really give context to what he means. Um, Let me, I'm going to keep rifling off on his quotes and then we can sort of talk about it as a whole. He says, uh, quote, I'm talking on behalf of the drivers at the front of the grid because they can't say what they really feel. Um, but I'm talking to them now. I'd love someone to do a stat on race pace, of 2015 race compared to the mid two thousands. Um, and he's like, he's complaining about lap times. He says, but people aren't looking like looking at this in the past. The limitation over the back part of the track in Malaysia used to be balls <laughs> and how fit. I don't even know what you're saying, Mark Weber. Let me get you the last <laughs> going the last full quote. Aussie yeah. on you. Yeah. Yeah. He is uh, the very last quote. He says, there are certain things going on and we seem to have to tell everyone what we are doing with the technical and sporting regs and what's happening. So now he's sort of uh, talking about how there's so many rule changes constantly. He says, why not just get on with things? There's no need to wash your laundry in public. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. The end result is what it is. We have to translate this shit. I know, right? You don't need to try to explain everything. Most people I talk to are intimidated by what DRS is, what the softs and super softs are. They feel they can't turn on the TV and understand what they are watching. Uh. Now, I this is what I why I wanted to bring this to the table. You, We have all sort of been watching the sport maybe for a year, two years now. We're pretty new to it, right? As far as always watching it. Yeah, sure. In terms of consistent viewing, yeah. Yep. And we are honestly, we're super dialed into the fact that tire strategy has become such an important part of racing. Yeah. And, you know, you talked about uh, the last race with Monaco, how just any sort of pit stop kerfluffle or, you know, tire mismanagement can lead to losing a race. Right. And we sort of have been viewing that as an exciting part of it. Yeah. But could that actually be taking away from what the sport is? Cause that's a, that is something that we, we take for granted. I think that maybe these super soft tires and things like that aren't actually a good thing. And that if they didn't have to worry about tire management, they could just get on with racing, which is sort of what Mark Weber is saying here. In, but in what way? And like, would that mean like giving more choice to the teams in terms of what kind of tires they want to use, or would you want to just have everyone goes out on hards and we race on hards all year long? Or uh, I just don't understand what it looks like, what he's really suggesting, and how that will change the sport. I mean, I think he's getting at that the fact that drivers have to constantly worry about their tires, and that's one of the main things they have to worry about, and not just like going all out and racing. You know, I don't know. it's I a very see. limiting thing on their performance and their ability to drive. Is it? I don't know. I think it's just like a new variable that drivers have to deal with. I because this this sport is driven so much by technology. I could see why we're you know going to change the size of the goalposts every other year. You know, so to speak, you know what I mean? Because the technology is going to get better where we have to keep rule. We have to keep changing rules in order to keep, try to make the game competitive still, or otherwise we just, uh, surrender and just say, we're not going to try to, uh, make the sport as innovative as it is in terms of like motorsport quality and just say, these are the rules year after year and the sport's going to look the same in a decade and expect for that to be the case. Yeah, I mean, I don't it, know what I'd rather see. I think I'd rather see the cars get better, you know. 
But he's also talking about how there's more passing because of all of these things like degrading tires and the DRS system he added as well. Um, I guess to to us as like a crowd, that makes it more exciting. I would think so too. I would see from a, I could see from maybe from a driver standpoint. Of course, Mark is a driver. Yeah. He's been, he's raced Formula One for many years and maybe he's just looking at it from a driver's perspective. But I agree from a fan's point of view. I like to see the racing. I like to see the passing. I like to see this overtaking it. It, it makes the race exciting. And if the the rules are all the same for all the drivers, I don't see how it changes the cal- anybody's calculus. You know what I mean? Is mm-hmm. if, if the DRS is available to everybody, everybody can use it, and it's just up to you to be a sportsman and utilize it correctly. I don't understand the the problem. Yeah, I at I the mean, end of the day, I don't side with Weber on this one, um, especially at the end of the quote when he says, "Most people I talk to are intimidated by what DRS is, what the softs and super softs are, and that they feel that they can't just turn on the TV and understand what they're watching." I completely disagree. I think if you're going to turn on racing, you're going to understand that all that really matters when you first turn it on is that they're trying to finish first. Right. You know, mm-hmm. who cares about all that other stuff? And if you want to get into the nitty gritty, you can learn about what all else is going on. It's the same right. with like with me going to watch like basketball or something. I don't understand all the fouls and all the rules in basketball. All I know is one point one team has more points than the other team. Yeah. And that team's going to win. Right. If That's I want if I want to, to go more into depth in that sport, I'm going to learn the rules and I'm mm-hmm. going to learn the little, you know, strategies and DRS and things like that. That's a strategy. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this then. In, in the fact, especially with this season in particular, it seems like we are more relying on tire strategy and pitch strategy to win races than we are on actual driver ability, considering that the landscape of the cars isn't, isn't as you know, equal as it has been in the past. Okay. Um, what do you guys feel about that? I mean, do you feel... I, in, I say again that I think we've sort of taken that for granted. I would, being new to the sport, we know how important all of that is. But what if it wasn't as important? What would the sport look like then? And do you think that would be a more maybe accurate representation of who was the best driver out there? Especially with, you know, Lewis's team, like literally just fucking him in the last race. Yeah. And that's why he doesn't win, you know? Yeah, but I don't know. That That's the that's the aspect of it that makes it a team sport, right? And it's that's true. why I hope for Mercedes to have terrible boxes is because it's it's the thing that can make the game competitive for Ferrari, and that's what I want to see. And as a fan, I'm okay with that, and it actually makes it really exciting when they do fuck up that box, and then there's a whole race that Lewis Hamilton put in the toilet for no reason. Yeah, that's yeah. If if Mercedes or if Mercedes ran perfectly all the time, it would be Rosberg Hamilton one two right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, but that's Ferrari, why you play it on the field. You know, that's I, why the game isn't. I understand. On, I understand. On a things piece of paper. things happen, and that's that's part of what makes it exciting. Is yeah. is uh, you can see something just mess up, just one little thing, and it it throws everything in a loop. Because Pirelli started. Um, being the main tire distributor at like 2011 or something like yeah, that. They won the contract or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I guess I, are you guys just completely fine with how, how important tire management is in particular? I mean, what if let's say there were only two types of tires or three types of tires and they lasted, you know, 20 something laps, 20, 20 to 40 laps rather than making it. Okay. Well, every, every race has, these two sets of tires that you got to use, these only last 15, these last 40, what are you going to do? Well, look, I think that there is there is a league that plays like that, and it's F3. You know, mm-hmm. They have very similar cars, 
fewer tire selection and there's a lot more cars on the grid and it's super crazy and competitive. I just saw that they shut down the race in Monza this past weekend because they were having too many accidents. Like wow. it's a, it's, you know, it's crazy over there, <laughs> you know? So if you want to watch racing like that, that's available to you. But the reason yeah. I like formula one is because I know it is the pinnacle of what cars can be in 2015. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if that means that the cars need a, a, higher variety of tires in order to make them be what the best that they can be on every on every and particular track then so be it here's one thing why does it need to be only about the drivers i mean right. this becomes this makes formula one a team sport mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with it being a team sport you know you may have your favorite driver in formula one but a lot of times you have your favorite team you have a team that you really enjoy right you know? i really hope i've you know i got it in and really liked mclaren of course lewis is driving for them at the time but i've still kind of held on to that i really hope that mclaren does well and now you know i have another couple of drivers that i like in mclaren and i'm really hoping for them to do well yeah so you don't yeah you tend to focus on the drivers but um you forget about all the other little side support that those drivers need that wouldn't be able to do their job without yeah. them I just do it at any point to wrap up this topic. Do we find um, the tire, the way tires are handled in the sport now, like arbitrary, you know, like something that might is the challenge that is provided by tire management unnecessary. I would like to see the teams get more choice. I think it was several years ago when teams actually got to choose their tire strategy completely and there was no FIA regulation. That'd be amazing. Now that would be interesting. You could yeah. choose between hard because and... Of, exactly. That. Yeah, and interesting. See, that would be awesome. Because right now every team has to do either, you know, two varieties of the Whatever set of five they say, that, yeah. that... And they have to use at least one, you know, at least one of each. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. What I would like to see is like give more of that strategy back to the team and make it more of a team sport and make it a team calculus on what kind of we think our driver runs really well on if we have a, a late pit so we're going to start out with hards on this race or yeah, you the know, car is more suited to a, to a hard tire over a super soft or something exactly. like that yeah absolutely I like that I think that, that could be, be really cool. interesting all right moving right along so as a part of an effort to make F1 more exciting in 2017, a series of discussions took place between teams over the Monaco GP weekend to try to edge forward with framing rules that would deliver better cars. Following a request from the FIA, Motorsport.com, which is where I got this article, understands that all four engine manufacturers are working on a rule that will force them to make changes to the exhaust layouts of their cars for next year to improve the sound. The plan is to make it mandatory for there to be two tailpipe exits rather than the current single one. It is believed that this solution will help deliver a better sound for the engine as it will prevent the muffling effect caused by the current turbo wastegate and single exhaust exit. Uh, sources suggest that one exhaust will be used for the wastegate while the other will deliver sound straight from the engine to help deliver more sound. Ooh. Now, the reason I brought this up, I feel like when... I, for, I got in the sport right before the engine change. They made the engine changes and everyone lost their shit on how it was so quiet, right? Yeah. Personally, I, I understand that when you're at the track, you want to hear this thing that just rocks your chest. But have I really feel like I haven't cared Yeah. overall. But I see this topic coming up in F1 News continuously really and so i feel like i'm probably in the minority because it seems like everyone and their mother wants these things to be louder <laughs> so what are your guys' stances on this do you care do you want to see them get louder and do you think this is a good idea to arbitrarily make them louder 
do I miss the sound of the V8s and the V10s? Absolutely. Of course, right? I mean, they were beautiful, beautiful sounds that just cover your ears and feel it in, in your Impregnated Just you. like, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. That is what an engine's supposed to sound like. I'll tell like. you real Screaming quick. at like 18,000 RPMs, this V8 just, oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, I went to the to the Coda race in 2012 right before the engine changed too and like we were walking up to the track and I'll tell you like I'll never forget hearing it for the first time yeah so. <laughs> absolutely right there that bus drop off where you have to do still a exactly. mile walk up you're right. like oh that's what they sound like you can yeah. hear them oh. <laughs> Me- meanwhile this last race you can talk to each other while I the race is I going didn't, on I did not wear earplugs during the race yeah neither did I now I mean do you want to see them get louder? Do you want to see them go back? I feel like race the racing now has is not boring. It's still competitive. It's yeah. it's compelling to watch. How much of the sound is impacting, you know, us watching the race versus how we just sort of want to romanticize about it? Okay, I'll say I wouldn't complain about the sound coming back, but I'm sorry. The fact that they're spending so much time on making more noise and they're spending so much effort on making more noise and that's all it's there for. There are so many other issues in Formula One right now that need to be addressed and need to be fixed before they start worrying about is it loud enough or is it, you know, not. I think that's that should be a very back burner issue. And the fact that they're putting so much emphasis, the FIA is, is ridiculous. Okay. So you're, for you, it's like, you then you really don't care yeah i don't care i I can i'll deal with that that's fine yeah it's just whenever i see it literally almost every two weeks it seems like someone is writing another article about the sound because somebody in the f1 um, institution is complaining about it it's just like wow this i mean people care about this it hasn't gone away yet you know well then that's fine i mean if they feel like there's significant enough pressure for them to you know, act on it, then so be it, you know, cause I want as many f- fans in the sport as possible. So, right. True. I mean, you personally though, Steven, do you care? Do you want them louder? You know what? I'm, I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, too. Yeah. Just, just that little speech right there was enough to want me. You know David what? just telling me <laughs> about the first time that he heard him, you know, it's just like, oh, yeah, no, I yeah, want no, people to have that experience again. Yeah, No. All right. But the two tailpipes, you think that's going to look dumb? I think that would look cool. You gonna look cool? Like yeah. a spaceship almost? Yeah, I like that. All right, fine. Okay, I've got another article here for us. Please. This one comes, it's a big, long um, series of quotes from the new driver, Carlos Sainz Jr. Ah, uh, Carlos Sainz Jr. Yes, for Sauber. Now, Toro, or no, Toro Rosa, I'm stupid. Oh. Don't listen to me. Dude, we don't know that second tier, and it's like, okay. Is it though? I do feel kind of bad. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I think it's. Okay. I mean, I recognize it's like a parlor names. trick. Could I name every <laughs> single driver with their with their team? Probably not. You have to sit there with flashcards, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, let me start rifling these off. Um, Toro Rosso driver Carlos Sainz Jr. has described the mental challenge of Formula One as "quote unquote" horrible and rejected claims that the sport is easier than a decade ago. He says, quote, mentally, it's really, really tough to go through all of those switches while at the same time you're trying to save your tires. At the same time, you're trying to handle your battery and your brake balance for every different corner. It's tough, but in a different way. I would prefer simply a bit of that stuff and just make the cars quicker and make me focus on making my car quicker. Uh, He says, you need 20% focus on your driving and 80% focus on all the other stuff. Normally, it's the other way around, end quote. Sounds like such a stupid driver right there. I mean, like, it's too complicated. Make it faster. Yeah. You know, it's like the engineers are like, yeah, this is how you make it faster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we didn't just, like, do this for us. You know, we didn't just make it complicated because it's fun to build it. Yeah. We're trying to make it faster. 
<laughs> when you see drivers though on their steering wheels, and those steering wheels are like sixty grand each, and yeah, there's a thousand crazy. switches and all that, and you yeah. see that they're having to you know flip knobs, turn levers, do all that stuff. Um, do you find that unnecessary at all? Do you do you wish? Do you think maybe? And you know, we see people like Lewis Hamilton, everyone who's at the top right now, they're able to do all that and still win races. Yeah. So it's not like this is like hindering people. Well, somebody has to win the races, so <laughs> somebody has to. <laughs> but if um, all of those, let's say all that was gone in some sort of fashion, would that enable even the best drivers now to be even faster and to be even better? No way. No, nah, I don't think so. I think that I think Carlos Sainz being a big old bitch. I think so. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I'm going to have to say, yeah, because then you're going to take away all this, all this little changes. And he's go, why can't I change my brake bias? Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to, I want to change my, uh, yeah, my front and battery trim. power to the tires yeah. right now. It's like, yeah, we got rid of that. Cause you can't press buttons. Dum dum. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think he was remarking too. I guess, um, he wanted. He thought he was going to get to F1 and it would be an arcade game, and it's not. <laughs> it's a real job. You're a pilot of an F1 car, so buck up and act like you know how to control the thing. Yeah, but it sounds like he's responding to, I guess, criticism now, probably from older viewers, that the sport used to be uh, harder than it is now. Um, I don't know if I can really speak to that, but I, I guess he's I trying know. to argue that it isn't. I don't know. Any, okay. I don't think anybody could really speak to that unless you been a formula one driver in 1980 and you've been a driver <laughs> in 2005 which yeah. will never happen but yeah. unless you've actually raced out there in both cars nobody will ever be able to say one was easier than the other yeah but they do say like the old cars had so much power that you were yeah. really fighting you the car it, yeah. a lot right. more than you, you, had you are now. more power less downforce absolutely they were squirrely cars for mm -hmm. sure I mean, you see even in like IndyCar that does not have the technology that Formula One does. Those guys fight those cars. They're yeah. losing the ass end all the time. And when, you know, we are used to seeing Formula One. I watch IndyCar and I'm like, oh, man, these guys are like <laughs> all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. it's crazy. Okay, uh, so I've got one more topic. And then after that, David, if you wanted to do some as well, I know you had some articles maybe to pull up. We can get that uh, going. But... This one, I really want to hear your opinions about. <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, Bernie Ecclestone suggested that F1 should introduce an all-female formula racing championship. And this has created a few responses from a couple of different people. Um, the first one is from former British Grand Prix, Grand Prix competitor. I didn't even get her damn name. Her last name's Wilson. I, I can't remember her first name. That's, wow. a good, that's a good last name. Yeah. You're such a feminist, Jason. Oh, I know. I'm really <laughs> fighting the good fight here. You're really just erasing female names from history. This female driver with the last name of Wilson who <laughs> raced in British Grand Prix. You can go Google it yourselves. Okay, fine. Um, she had some quotes. And she's actually backing up a stance that apparently Susie Wolf had as well, who is a backup driver um, mm -hmm. at Formula One now. She says, as Susie Wolf said... This would not be a true F1 championship as the field would not have enough qualified uh, and talented women drivers. Right. Also, F1 is about the best drivers, not gender to fill the field. Uh, she says, who would pay for this? If we cannot even find sponsorship for one talented and qualified female F1 driver, then how are we going to pay for all of a new formula? She says, it would make more sense to support the one or two qualified women drivers by adding more teams to the F1 field by spreading the income fairly amongst the F1 field. So that's one viewpoint. Now we have Carmen Jorda, who is the reserve driver for Lotus. Uh, and she explains, she says, quote, 
she's got a whole she's got she's on the other side of the fence here. She says nowadays you see women competing in their own championships in most sports, football, tennis, skiing, you name it. And none of these championships are men and women competing against each other. So the question is, why not have an F1 World Championship for women? <clears throat> she said, or Jordan believes that one of the biggest problems holding women back in F1 is the reluctancy of sponsors to invest in drivers that they believe cannot compete. And she says, quote, they believe that a woman cannot win an F1, Jordan said. That's why I think a female F1 championship would be the right answer. And there are prominent supporters to that idea, as we've seen lately. So I want to get your opinions. Should we have an all-formula F1 sport, or should we just add them into the field? Yeah, my worry is that it would turn into, you know, the WNBA where there's not the same viewership, there's not the same talent, there's not the same revenue, and it just becomes a place where somebody that could compete with guys. I mean, it's it's different from the WNBA and pretty much every other sport in the sense that you're not reliant on, like, your... Brute strength and force. Yeah, you're not reliant on your physical capabilities that are, like, limited by your gender. You know, like there's never going to be a seven foot five uh, female center, you know, mm-hmm. so it's hard for them to play in the NBA because it's just never going to happen. But you don't face that issue in Formula One. This is something where it's, you know, humanity versus machine and you get in there and everyone can be equal if, if you try hard. Enough. And that's what I find so compelling is like if there was ever a sport to have like if there's uh, gender ever, equality like this would be it man. I, yeah i agree I completely agree i think you would be missing an opportunity frankly yeah and i it bums me out that there haven't been this reluctancy you know to sponsor a, a female f1 driver i think sucks because I, I guarantee you there are, there are ones out there who could race better than some of the people in the back of the field you better know? than maldonado better than maldonado <laughs> let's keep the car on the damn track yeah well, what do you think david um that's a tough one, but if you were to create an all women's league, I agree with uh, name redacted Wilson. Yes, name redacted Wilson. That uh, <laughs> the name the 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 money just won't be there. Um, I agree that there's there you're not going to get the sponsorships. You're not going to have the viewership. No anything way. like that. You got to create all those teams. Got to create cre- all those cars. Exactly, and who? Yeah, who's gonna? Who major is gonna want to sponsor these teams when they know no one's gonna be watching? Everyone's gonna be watching the men's do their Formula One, um, and I think that women are totally capable of of being out there and racing with with men on Formula One tracks. It's more just it's a it's a it's a men's club right now, yeah. and that's it's a good old boys club and they're just, they're really having trouble breaking in and getting the respect that they deserve, but it's already, it's already working there. I mean, Susie Wolf is dry is a backup driver. Now uh-huh. Carmen Jorda is a test driver. Now there are women coming in. Um, and I think there has been a woman. Yeah. I read back in the, in the article seventies. I think yeah, I read there an article was that a woman. They, and she qualified. So there has been someone mm-hmm. on the grid. I don't know if she raced the race, but I think she at least qualified. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. But, like, I almost even fail to see the argument that no one would sponsor, like, a, a female driver. Think of how many females actually watch the sport. You know, whether they're watching because they have to, because their husband just watches it all the time. But 
you look in the crowds, there's tons of females. There's plenty there. of women. And out if there. you think, you know, look at all the people who rally behind a certain driver just because of nationality. Imagine yeah. rallying behind a driver because of their gender. Yeah. And you know, and you have. You're if, right. The fan base there could be enormous. I think so. And like when you have a single female driver or even two, like you're going to, I, I would imagine that most of the females would go there to support. And then if you had sponsorships that were willing to throw down money, um, like sponsorships who align themselves with females and they were like, we're going to, we're going to prop you up and like, let's do this. Let's make something. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm actually skeptical. I'm very skeptical about that. <laughs> like, I do not think there's a fan base there at all. I just, it once, I mean, if we can get women to start, you know, backing away from the 11 and one style with your elbows down to like the bottom of the steering wheel that I see many women driving, like then maybe we can get them into like into motorsport. You know what I mean? Look, but right now it's, the vast, I guarantee you, Susie Wolf can outdrive you. Well, I promise you that. <laughs> <laughs> but I promise I can outdrive 98% of other women out there. Yes, but still, the women out there who are involved in motorsport, who aren't, you know, getting... The getting Danica the, Patricks of the world? I can't because, stand I mean, Danica, Danica Patrick. Oh, we're not going to open that can of worms. Driver, right? No, I'm not going to no. open that can of worms. <laughs> he, as he leans I, back with the... It, it looks so, like he just so sat so back in a throne. <laughs> His feet are Super up on, just threw it right down, now. boom. Yeah. I mean, why would we not open that can of worms? This is exactly what we're talking about, is it yeah. not? I mean, you, actually, I guess she did get quite a bit of sponsorship, and she became a fucking idol without well, winning Well, she's a race. got the whole GoDaddy uh, support, which is True, she's which riding is like, off and, of her own sexuality. I was going to say, absolutely. which is kind of anti-feminist in a way that she was just utilizing her sexuality to become more popular. But I mean, I guess I could be empowering. I, mean, I don't know anymore. Yeah, I can't. Dude, <laughs> feminist feminism is the most. It's such a whitewash. I don't get it. And not even. I feel like not even feminists understand. Like, can agree with each other. But you yeah. Know, but to avoid that whole hullabaloo, right? You don't think that um, there would be a female fan base to rally around even a single uh, female driver? It would be low to moderate. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be super big. I don't think. I don't know. Maybe. I really doubt it. I just really, I mean, just like women consume sports at a far smaller rate than men do. And just when you look at the men who are consuming F1, typically like very rich, like old conservative style men who are probably extremely patriarchal where it's not about like having their, their uh, wife coming with them and like, so I don't know, buying their own like Jersey for the, whatever it's to, Hey, come hang out with me while I hang out with my friends watching F1. Yeah. Yeah. You know, which I think sucks, though. I think that totally sucks. I wish there was a a way for women to get in the sport if if they had the ability. You know, I think yeah. that's the biggest thing is like let's let's reward ability here, and that's what pisses me off. Is like like we said earlier, you have a sport that has the potential to be completely gender neutral. I agree. And this could be like a like a heroic story for some like you know female athlete. I really think it could be. There's a potential there for it because. Like I said, like we're never going to see a female quarterback in the NFL. Just will yeah. never happen. No, you know you're never going to find a female qualified to do that. Every other sport, essentially, like in golf, you know, golf is kind of one of those sports. Is like okay, maybe they it's could, close. Yeah, it's close. Maybe we could get somebody, and just we have never gotten a female to make the cut in a in a professional men's golf tournament. Yeah, you know, it's it's really hard to mix sports like that. Um, F1 could be the one to do it. I agree. Uh, yeah, and that's I think that is what I've gleaned from all this discussion is yeah. like 
I don't think there should be the separate league like we're talking about. No. I just think logistically that's impossible. Um, you want to talk about like how we're, we're saying we think it would be super hard to have um, a female fan base for one female driver. What makes you think that there's going to be a female fan base for an entire for league? For an entire league, yeah. Do you, you think know? there's like enough motors, motorsport fans to actually consume that that league as well? You know? Yeah, I wonder, what, I wonder if men I, would, would watch. I don't think so, but... I mean, yeah, I mean... Every once in a while. I'm so far removed from other forms of motorsport, you know? Like, I don't really watch anything else. I just watch F1 yeah. on the weekend, so yeah. it's tough to say. And, and not only that, but here in America, like, motorsport stops at NASCAR, and that's yeah. it. So motorsport is consumed in Europe, and I don't really know what that fan base looks like. Right. Um, which, you know, so I can't really speak to it, I guess. But, yeah, I just – I'm crossing my fingers for the day that, you know, someone like Susie Wolf or even Carmen Jorda, you know, not hoping anything bad happens to these other drivers, but gets the shot to step Absolutely. up and Absolutely. I'd love you know? to see Susie Wolf on the starting grid for a race. Because if you're test driving for Williams, then you ought, like, you've got clout. Right. Your husband's Toto Wolf. He's telling you some good <laughs> shit, man. Toto Wolf. Toto Wolf. That guy's so fucking German. It's pretty crazy. Awesome. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we roll on to the next stuff, let's like stop and talk about this scotch that we're drinking. Okay. I think it's I'm already like, two glasses in, so, yeah, so it's good. <laughs> it's, it's going down well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's super drinkable. It's like a daisy, you know, just like it's really it's like a, smelling flowers. It's like flowers, a daisy. I yeah. I think it's like smelling flowers. You think it's got a floral bouquet? Well, and, uh, I mean, even uh, try it with a little bit of water. You yeah. know, we've been drinking it neat right now. Yeah. And of course, all your all your little connoisseurs and stuff like that out there will say, Hook me up, adding just a splash of water, uh, room temperature water will open up taste, open up smells that you really hadn't explored before yeah and especially in these little wine glasses that we're drinking it in i can mm -hmm. smell it so so hey, much like hey no i mean it's fine dave's over here laughing at me i got plenty of glassware i don't have i don't have scotch glasses yet cut me a break man i just want to break dave just a break you'll never get I'm a break cool you'll it. never get a break okay um but yeah i mean like what like i said yeah, I don't really know um, much about evaluating the flavor of scotch. Yeah. So if there's anything that you guys would like to add, I mean, I still stand by that the smell, like, um, to me, had a bit of, like, leather to it. Yeah, but I think that kind of just comes with most scotches. Mm -hmm. So type me, like, yeah, it smells like a scotch. But Yeah. Um, I don't know. I actually think this is a much different experience than most other scotches that I've tried. Well, before. so I, I pulled up the, the kind of the fact sheet on this whiskey. Um, so 46%. Is from a lowland grain whiskey. It's kind of a fruity or perfumed. Okay. Um, 28% is from a Northern Highland single malt. So it's a malty, fruity kind of flavor palette. Um, and then 17% comes from another Northern Highland uh, single malt, kind of a grassy, perfumed. Not what perfumed seems really, really vague for a for a um, probably, flavor I, profile. I guess that just means smell. And what you may actually yeah. be getting is that uh, that Speyside single malt. It's nine percent. It gives a meaty, um, a kind of a leathery. Yeah, I guess that I would make sense considering it. it's coming out in the smell and not in the flavor. You know, it's like mm. it's very subtle, so it's like you're gonna. So you need more of your yeah you know, receptors um, in your nose than your this is delicious tongue. though. This is it really is. Yeah, to not to not speak to the the flavor stuff because we're we're not really that adept in it. But this is a very it's easy to drink. It's smooth. Um, it's not harsh, and you know we're sitting here. We don't have any. We're not smoking a cigar. We're not eating food. So it's it's not paired with anything. This is it. But it's it's holding up on its own fine. Um, but it's not too powerful as to that we don't need anything else. Yeah, this is something that I could you know drink on a hot summer day, not worry about just being way too powerful, but. 
very light and just something after at night or something like that, wind down. It's really easy. Sure. Okay. Um, so, Dave, you said you had some news articles that you uh, would like to pull up? Maybe take like half time and um, we'll get the other one poured up. And yeah. Stuff and we'll like get that. started. All right. Well, we'll be right back, guys. This is Witty Banter. Don't forget to follow us at Witty Banter Show on Twitter and shoot an email over to wittybantershow at gmail.com. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a nice halftime. Clean out the glasses, getting ready for the next batch. Why did I go with that voice? What is that? Did you see Billy Madison on TV the other day? I did. It was on somewhere. It's on the ether, you know, the... uh, you know, the collective, you, the, yeah, the, the collective vibes are out mind, there. Yeah, the <laughs> collective mind came back to you. Well, before we dive into our last bit of F1 talk, we have poured up a brand new scotch. That's correct. And I'm going to leave it to David to introduce this one. So this is the second bottle that I brought. This is the Glen Morangie, uh Extremely Rare 18. Mm. And uh, Those are two is, adjectives I like to hear. <laughs> this is one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, I've been sipping on this for a few months and... Uh, Really, really nice and smooth. It's again not one of those real peaty ones. Uh, on the nose, you're gonna smell some honey, way some different grapefruit, smell. some some kind of spiciness, uh, as well as some fruit flavors. God, that is. But an it's gonna be smell. it's gonna be much more complex than the the blended. I think I'm getting that honey more than anything. It's gonna Ooh, be yeah? a yeah. nice sweet. It almost stings the nostrils. Uh, I was going to say, like, I breathed in too much. And just, like, <laughs> you got to waft. Yeah. Waft. Yeah, you got to waft it. Yeah. Okay. Whew. Have you tried it? Are you still recovering from the smell? Uh, just all my nose hairs are on the ground right now, so <laughs> I'm just going to clean that up real yeah. quick. Yeah. <laughs> Part of the reason why you get such a sweet kind of uh, smell, and then once you taste it, a finish to it, is that the first 15 years, it's aged in oak casks, as normal scotches are. The last three years, it's matured in sherry casks, uh, yeah. specifically Oloroso sherry casks. Yep. I already like this one better. And it, it gives it just that nice, sweet finish to it. Um, this one feels like at, it has more complexity. Like oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Is, yeah. um, so you're finishing with, you know, nice oak flavor, some citrus peel, some kind of fruity citrus on the back end, um, and just really a creamy taste overall. Steven. I get the, the creaminess. It's yeah, definitely the yeah. Mouth feel. It like coats you know, your mouth. Coats exactly. This is fucking delicious. Isn't it great? This is like one of my favorites. Like I said, my my girlfriend got me this for my birthday. Uh-huh. Shout out to Shannon. Shannon Shout Shabala. out to Shannon McDonald. <laughs> and honestly, like I was, I was like my jaw open. I was like, yes, thank <laughs> yes. You. And uh, it was gone like probably within two weeks. So I just can't. I just can't, <laughs> can't help yourself. I, I really couldn't help myself. I just I, I would, sometimes I throw like a big orange peel in there because you know you have that like fruity you know just big fuck off orange peel and you just get don't you feel like that's gonna take away though you know you're just gonna no. taste too much of that no no not at all because you feel like it it adds it's not like I put an orange in there you know you put a big f off orange su- peel in there yeah I didn't put Sunny D in there you know <laughs> why like, not let's get the grape know, drink dude. sugar yeah that's a it used to be a more common way to drink scotches, I feel, like back in the 50s and 60s. Well, you had your old fashioned with your bourbons That's and things like I'm that. Bourbons and Manhattans, but you yeah. didn't put scotch in there. Those are bourbons, bourbon drinks. Now I got to ask you guys, we're drinking scotch here. Does that mean we're like, are we grown men now? Um, yeah. Is there lead in our pencil? No, I mean, it, are you only like <laughs> coming to this realization now? I just. Because you're old. 
I mean, like, I mean, yeah, at this, but you know, I've drank scotch for a little bit, and when I mean drink it. I mean, like, I will have it when it's available to me because yeah. I'm not, not well enough off yet. I've just got out of school to go yeah. get my own bottle, but you know. When you're a kid, you taste beer for the first time. You're like, yeah. that's disgusting. I'll never yeah. touch that again. Absolutely. God forbid you think that you're going to be sitting here at a table drinking scotch straight. Right. Here we are, guys. Are we, are we yeah. cool yet? Yeah, I had a cigar for fun last night. Oh. It was fucking weird. <laughs> Just because it was a Tuesday or a Monday yeah. night? Yeah. yeah. Fucking weird, you guys. It's a little you summer's know, I, here. I'll yeah. tell you this. like Summer's here, man. Yes, this bottle is pretty expensive. Uh-huh. But you don't have to have a big budget to go get good scotches. Yeah. You'd be you'd be surprised. Go down to Specs or something like that, and go talk to one of the guys over at the whiskey counters. You'd They're be amazed. Bored. You'd be amazed. You know, they've tasted just about all of them. Yeah. And say, you know, this is my budget. I'm looking to spend forty bucks sure. on a on a bottle of scotch. What do you recommend? And they're going to ask you, what kind of whiskeys do you like? When's your birthday? Yeah, things like that. <laughs> and I guarantee you, they they will not steer you wrong. Yeah, and, and once you have that bottle and it, you treat it as a special occasion thing where well, I'm going to have a glass every once in a while, and you can make it last a very long time. For sure, and think about how much alcohol is really in there. If you think about like how much liquid in there and how much of that like will get you drunk, how drunk that will get you, yeah. it's a great value. It is. Honestly. It really I've had is. this bottle since probably January. Oh, wow, and you're not even halfway through. Yeah, I mean, this is for friends and you know special occasions and – I mean, we should have an F1 podcast tomorrow, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I'm free later this evening if y'all are. We probably will continue this later. Yeah. Now, um, let's go ahead and dive back into our F1 speak. Okay. Um, Now that we're we're Davis on the David shepherd us through the the pasture, please. So really, you know, I browse I browse the articles here and there. Um, One thing that we were talking about having a fan base with Uh with a female driver. And this was a, a segue, and look at this. And We're bringing you know, them, bring this, them up well. I don't know. I'm figuring this out quick. <laughs> uh, so I, f- I found this article that Bernie Ecclestone basically is coming out and saying that uh, very popular drivers, well, in my books, very popular drivers, very uh, accomplished drivers, Nico Rosberg and uh, Sebastian Vettel, um, are actually bad for Formula One business. They are they're not making that connection with their fans that they're not drawing the fan base that they should be. Um, they're not on Instagram enough or what? Yeah. Dude, right. uh, Vettel is not on Instagram. Good. He's not on he's not on Twitter and I don't think he's on well, he, I know he's not on Twitter. He's not on Twitter now. Um, you know, whereas, you know, you send me I can't little help texts it, man. all the time of, of Have you seen those tweets? Of Hamilton's <laughs> tweets. It's just a red hat kind of day, David. Are you not feeling it? It's summer. Yeah. Red hat. What is he, red how hat. is he saying that they're not connecting, though? Like, what's what's the crux of this? So, I mean, he's saying, like, this is a quote, Sebastian is also not doing much for Formula One. People hardly recognize him on the street. Whereas, on the contrary, Lewis Hamilton is a hero in the UK. The British love their Formula One. He really is, man. He's, I mean, he's a huge, I mean, he's probably one of the biggest celebrities there. Yeah. Everyone is going to recognize him. Everyone knows who he is. And a lot of people follow Formula One, um, not necessarily because of him, but um, I think their their viewership is, if not up, so, I, I mean, mean very stronger. high because of him. Um, Plus, they have a long lineage of, of but you know, drivers. like they have Silverstone there. They have Silverstone, but Germany races are getting canceled. Yeah, yeah that blows that's my mind for real. They have two major drivers from Germany. Uh-huh. Vettel, a four-time in a row world champion, mm-hmm. and they can't keep a race around. But Schumacher, of course, was German. Schumacher was a German driver, the most the most winningest 
you know, driver in all of Formula One, Schumacher from Germany, and they still don't have this fan base. And I think it's, you know, Ecclestone is claiming that these guys are not getting their faces out there. They're not being the celebrities that they could maybe be. they need to need to be or could be. Yeah. I mean, my knee jerk reaction is there are so many other things that are problems with drawing in fans for F1 um, that Bernie could could work on like agreed just, agreed yeah the finger does not point away from from ecclestone by any yeah, stretch I mean, of the imagination just the coverage problems you know of course nbc owns the rights to play f1 here and that's why they have it but you know if, if we could get sky and that sort of thing i think that would certainly help um the racing but even just some of the off-colored comments that bernie ecclestone makes and like the sort of business he runs it's very old-fashioned where it's like he's telling um the guys who run the races here, like you need to have this many girls and they need to have like short skirts. And they need yep. to be this, that, the, the man other. is like 85 years old. The he, guy just needs to die. He already. does. I mean, God. his concept of show business and the way he's running it is a very old fashioned one. And he's going to kill the sport if he keeps going. I, I mean, maybe not kill it, but he's hindering it he's more than he's helping it right sure. now. But to speak to this actual article, I mean, the fact that Vettel sort of keeps out of the public eye is one of the many reasons why I love him so much because like he doesn't give two shits about that. What he cares about is his team and winning, you know, and of course that at least that's what it looks like from an outside perspective, you know, yeah. especially with him going to Ferrari, learning Italian just yeah. so he can talk to his team. Like he's all about he's, that. He's a hard worker. There's no doubt about that. Um, and with Ross, but if he wants, if he wants to continue having a job, he needs the fans. There. Oh, he's going to have a job, dude. Four four time world champion ain't going out of business anytime soon. Wow. But I, and with Rosberg too though, like that guy, he's on Twitter. I mean, he makes himself known. He he interviews well. He's a good looking guy. Yeah. I just does he have give specifics? I mean, I know you said that uh, Rosberg had a reply, maybe even. Uh yeah. So there was another article that Rosberg actually replied to this, and you know Rosberg is saying that. Bernie Ecclestone does not care about Formula One um, and that he's just kind of driving into the ground, it, that it surprised him based on Ecclestone's comments um, and that he has been very open about that all the time, criticizing anybody who is not as out there in the world like Lewis mm -hmm. uh, in this manner because the more you're out there, the better it is. You create more attention for all the rest of it. So, you know, I, I think... It's a sound it's, argument. It sound, I mean, it sounds like Ecclestone is... He's just trying to play it up as much as possible. And, you know, probably Rosberg and Vettel are being out there, but they're not being up to Ecclestone, what Ecclestone thinks is, I don't know. is I the could, golden standard. I could really see Vettel being like a, a really just like hardworking guy, you know, just like uh, wants to do, just win championships and just doesn't see his job anything beyond that, you know. He probably saw this quote and was like, okay, and did not, did not change his behavior whatsoever. Right. You know, I mean. I don't know. I think being a young guy, how old is Vettel now? He's like twenty six, maybe twenty six, yeah. twenty seven. Yeah, I mean, like he could be just like a huge phenomenon. I think like in people our age bracket, you know. Yeah. And it is a little bit disappointing that he isn't like fully utilizing his personality to do that. And I could kind of yeah. see where Eccleston is coming <clears throat> from because I mean, the he's running a business. This thing needs to make money, and personalities make money. And I think we probably and, more than anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. They bring in sponsors. They bring in money. They bring in fans. They bring in all kinds of things. I mean, look how hard it was for someone new to the sport of a year to pick a favorite driver. Yeah. Like when Darian first started watching, I was like, you got to find a favorite driver. It took her like it took her forever because really they don't have much personality. They don't really show them as often. But I don't think that's just um, inherent to those two, you know. Like, if anything, Lewis Hamilton certainly puts himself out there. But um, those two are the ones that have potential to do it and are choosing not to. You mm -hmm. know, I wouldn't, I don't think Carlos Sainz has that opportunity, really. Right. Maybe he does in Brazil, but I'm not sure. Okay, so, I mean, Ricardo definitely puts himself out there. Okay. Mm -hmm. He uh, shaved his mustache to the handlebars for, yep. for our race. He's always, you know, his big smiley interviews and all that. Yeah. But what do we, like... What do we want to see from them? Like, what do we what do we expect then? Because I want them to be bombastic. I want them to be, you know, fighter jocks. I want them to be, yeah. you know, just like you want the drama. It. Yeah, I want drama. I want like some some a bit of acting on the side. You know, just like I want a full personality around a guy that is like you know racing like a gladiator. I want sure. you to act like it. <laughs> I don't want you to act like a surgeon like Vettel does. You know, uh -huh. and approaches his job with you know, rubber gloves on. Yeah. And I, <laughs> you know, I would love to see him just like show up to practice drunk one day and be like, you know what? I can't practice this shit. This is practice. <laughs> yeah. Practice. Yeah. You know, I would love to see it. I think that would be fun, man. Well, what about your favorite Fernando Alonso? I mean, how much person cult of personality does he have around, around him? Because he is a, I feel like a, a favorite of most people who have been with the sport for a while. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really get to see him when he was winning his championships to really yeah. know what he was like, but I feel like he's sort of receded into from public eye. I, like I don't, he I don't has. hear from him. He's you not know? on Ferrari anymore. Ferrari. If you're on a, if you're a Ferrari driver, you have a ticket to the world, you know, everyone roots yeah. for Ferrari. You sure. Know? Everyone buys a Ferrari Jersey, no, and a hat, no matter what's going on. Um, so I think like his popularity may have dwindled since he's not winning anymore. Um, he's he's fading away. There's no doubt about it. And but I I mean when we go to the whole field, I really feel like Lewis is the only one who um, creates Who's a like celebrity. Part of this, yeah, like millennial generation. You know, he's exactly dating that girl yeah. from the Pussycat Dolls, right? Um, not anymore. Well, I mean, he was. Right? Yeah. But you know, like he he really, makes appearances. He goes to fashion shows. Like he does, he does things. You yeah, know, he's I out like there. making fun yeah. of him. You know, exactly. And he's but you wish you were him. But he, it, I, mean, <laughs> oh, I wish sure. fucking a. You know, it, but exactly. We the only reason we have the ability to make fun of him is because he's uh, made himself visible. visible right. Yeah. yeah. But so I mean, I think this actually goes to an important point where both of these guys are German, and this goes to like the heart of the German. Soul being oh, like very absolutely. private, yes. incredibly private. I didn't people. even consider that. And that, yeah, I didn't even think about that either as a cultural thing. It absolutely not how they're raised. Being yeah. over there, you will not meet a quieter, more reserved people. And like to me, there's almost like a feeling of like you do not want to draw attention to yourself yeah. in a way. That's absolutely. that was the vibe I always picked up there. But just to so, speak to this article, you know, I feel like it's not just them in particular and I almost feel like it's a little unfair for Bernie to call them out I guess you you know like you said they might have the most potential yeah and therefore I think that's why he's okay, calling yeah. them out yeah because they're on the that podium makes they're the two guys on the podium that are not you know crazy fun to watch like Lewis Hamilton is yeah you know uh, so speaking more to this point last summer when we were in Germany I was watching it in pubs 
you know, with just old guys at the bar mm-hmm. and the bartenders watching it too, you know, we're all out the Deutsche. Yeah. You know, and we're just having beer, you know, sipping Pilsners and crazy slowly. I tried to match their pace. It's not possible. You can't drink beer slowly, like the way <laughs> old German guys do it. It's yeah. crazy. <laughs> but, you know, so, but the way that, and I remember this was at Monaco. I remember their attitudes towards Vettel because I don't think he got off the grid at Monaco because they were having all that engine failure last year sure. with mm-hmm. the, the Red Bulls. And um, it was just kind of like this attitude, like your son that just isn't quite making the grade, you know? Yeah. It's like he's not making the grades that he used to, and you're just like a little bit disappointed, but you're not going to like berate him about it, you know, be like try harder next year kind of thing, kid, you know, and I think that's a lot of the viewing culture in Germany. Yeah. That could be it. Just I suppose. Like, you know, keep your nose clean and just like, Try to make A's next year. But know? one last caveat, look at someone like Kimi Raikkonen, whose whole persona is not being right. in the limelight. That's true. But that's fun. Yeah, at least that's something. But right? what's the difference? You know, like where does does that mean that well, Vettel I mean, will be in the light when he when he can, but he's just boring when he does, you know? I think Vettel's fun. Like he I think he's a little bit quirky, he's a little bit you He's know, a goofball. He's a I like watching kid. yeah. Me too, but I think like you really have to pay attention. I think is the point. Okay. You know, and like and Kimmy strikes somebody like Darian because like you hear him on just watching it and you get a sense of what Kimmy's like. Yeah, you he's know, hilarious. You, you can't not see his personality shine through. Sure. You know? And even though it's just like funny how stoic and quiet he does it, open up sometimes. I, he did an interview on Top Gear one time. They yeah. had him on on the Star and Aretha Price car or whatever, and he is like he opens up and um, he still kind of got that just serious stoic face all the time. Um, <laughs> but his responses and his his demeanor is just yeah, you could be hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I think Bernie has a point. Then you know. I think it maybe is a little bit of a bummer that we don't see this melodramatic um, sort of surrounding of personalities that we used to in racing, where yeah. it was it was it was like watching characters up there. And yeah, it may feel it may give the fans a little bit more of a connection to their their favorite driver that they may not be getting right now, and that's why they're not they're not getting that viewership and that fanship in in Germany right now. They're just not connecting to their to their drivers. Mm-hmm. And plus it's easy to kind of forget about these guys every once in a while because you only get to see them every two weeks, you know? Yeah. So if you like saw them on their Instagram going on their crazy yachts and shit, like because <laughs> these guys are so loaded. I want to see their lifestyle too. Dude, half of them. Yeah. I realized like more than half of them all live in Monaco. Oh, do they really You're, like doing like uh, pre-race interviews and things like that? Like, yeah. Oh, how does it feel to be, you know, five miles from the racetrack? And yeah. it's like every single driver they interview you realize those bastards. All those guys live in Monaco. Yeah. Like all of them have addresses in Monaco. I mean, I saw some pictures of uh, Verstappen on their on their yacht, their family yacht. Yeah. He and his dad. Is like that's pretty fucking cool. You know. <laughs> I would say so. I would concur with that. That's yeah. pretty damn cool. Okay. Uh, so our last topic was Gene Haas. So going into the nationality, you know, yes. segment of getting behind a driver, getting behind a team. We are getting an American Formula One team. Hot damn. Finally. Hot damn. Not since 1986. What was the last one? 1986. Haas Formula One team will debut an FIA FIA Formula One World Championship in 2016 next year. They've been confirmed. It is set. It's go. Um, It will become the first American-led F1 team since 1986. Okay. So 30 years since a Formula One team has hailed from from america and it's it's founded the team is founded by gene haas um 
it's he's got all his money and all his support in NASCAR. That's where he that's where he has all his name, yeah. name brand stuff. He has a big um, he built his fortune on tools and um, machine shop and American machinery. freedom. Yeah. Eagles now let me and, let me ask this right before like getting into all of the details of what the challenges are for these guys, you know, because frankly. I don't know much about what's going on with the team exactly. What are your guys' just expectations for them getting on the grid, for, for them being at the track the first race weekend, you know? What do you, what is this team going to look like? Or is this going to be, uh, are they going to be like finishing 14 and below? Or are they going to be finishing 10 and below? Are they going to maybe get a top 10? How long will it take them to do so? I've looked into the team uh, a little while back, a few months back. And they're actually getting most of their hardware and most of their um, pieces from Ferrari. Okay. So the the car itself is gonna be mostly Ferrari built. As the far engine, as like the chassis goes? engine, chassis, suspension, a lot of stuff is going to be Ferrari manufactured, um, and they're just going to be assembling, but doing their own. I think aerodynamics testing. Mm-hmm. Um, and their own separate wind tunnel testing, like their testing does not come from Formula from Ferrari Formula One. Um, they're just getting the hardware, so they're getting set up kind of at the start with Ferrari hardware, and then going to create a team and create a car. So I think they're going to have solid hardware. You know, I wonder where their testing track is going to be because there's only one Formula One track in the country. I mean, there's only one in use. They've done F1 races or the yeah. tracks, you know. Sure, but it's not like new, high tech. Like, yeah. Well, the company's based out of Neither is South Monaco. Carolina. No one does testing there. Shut up, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> North Carolina. There's been it's, it's yeah, a North Carolina, Carolina campus. I imagine there's a few race tracks that they can go do some testing. I don't know. That makes me worried though. Like, it's not a Formula One track. Mm-hmm. I mean, so. I just I'm I'm gonna cheer for this team regardless, right? Oh no, I don't doubt. care. I don't care who the no, driver. It doesn't matter if they they come in last place, right? You know, but, just ahead of Maldonado or something like that. And yeah, so that's my question, though, right? We're gonna cheer for this team regardless because we're American. But does that look like us being uh, saying, well, our favorite drivers, uh, Vettel or Hamilton or Alonso, they did well this race, and I'm happy that uh, Haas got at least 14th. Or is it going to be us being like, "Come on, Haas! Like you almost had it last race. You, you're you're competitive. You know, what do we think it's actually going to look like here? Uh, you're it's gonna, a brand new team. You're going to rope me into like really expecting a lot, but really right now, as I sit here today, my expectations are to like build a car that like gets around the track every race. That runs. Agreed. That runs. Agreed. You know, start finishing races and build I'm from glad there. We don't have Renault engines. That would thank fucking, God. Yes. Thank God. I wish we could get Mercedes engines. I don't know what the roadblock to that was, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, if we just build a car with a decent driver that can get around the track every race, consistent in and out, our first year, I'm like, pretty I'm happy. happy. I'd be happy too. Me too. And that's what I'm saying. Is like, you know, even with uh, like with McLaren and Honda right now, just when they finish, it's good, you know. And the fact that they even get a point is amazing. So like, I feel like that's gonna have to be yeah. our expectations for that. I just hope that it doesn't stay there. I don't want this to be a team that dwindles out in the in the back of the pack and then goes bankrupt and has to leave. You know, I like we want to see this I happen. That, I think that could have like, you know, a greater you know greater implications if this team does not do well, you know, because I, I, I worry that like we really like lose that one opportunity that we could get this 
sport to like really stay in in America. Especially when you have Haas who has their roots in NASCAR. Like you better bet hardcore racing and NASCAR fans are going to check these guys out. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. it's going to bring a little bit of a fan base with it. So. And you have, you know, we're right in NASCAR country here in Central Texas, you know, so Texas if, Motor Speedway, baby. Yeah. You know, if we could get, if we could pull some of those NASCAR fans into F1, I just like, I'd be on It'd fire. It'd be huge. You, you know, try to convince be, them to never go back. <laughs> I think on their own they would not. You I know? would hope so. Some of them at least. They would. It's a way of life, dude. Yeah, that's true. It's a way of life. I don't know. I guess I think final word. I'm optimistic. Mm-hmm. I think they've got potential. They've got a lot of automotive. Um, clout behind them um as far as research as far as knowledge mm-hmm. um that they're going to be able to pull from right is that going to be able to really well translate in formula one time will tell yeah i guess we should look up like who their main engineer is and like who's running arrow because that's going to be important but you know they're, i think they're bringing in some big names i mean haas is not uh you know not, not strapped for cash. Not strapped for cash. The guy's got the money to toss around to bring in who he needs to bring in. So I think uh, there may be some growing pains next next season, but I think they've got good potential. Cool. That'd be cool, man. That would be nice. God, I wonder what the car is going to look like. like Red, just, white, and blue. I, I'm thinking that they're probably going to do that. A set of tits right on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> it's for aerodynamic yeah. effect. Yeah. With truck nuts. So you're like, what is this car? <laughs> What's this car? <laughs> American Eagle on the DRS flat. So, do we want to talk some uh, some races? We like do. What, what's okay. action? This is actually happening. This let's game? yeah. Let's get into this last season uh, or the season that's going on right the now. Season that is the Loved season it. that is loving it so far. Me too, man. It's been so entertaining. Better or worse than the previous so far? Better. I think better for sure. Right. In what ways? Like, is it more entertaining? Um, I love more varied. Uh, I think it's like. It's more competitive. There's less knowns, I think. You know, I mean, last year you did have like Vettel falling apart from his glory days, and mm-hmm. that was kind of fun. Or like, you know, maybe seeing if Ricardo was going to pass him up and all this. Yeah. yeah. And then you know what? Seeing him like rise like a phoenix, you know, coming out fucking strong this year yeah. with Ferrari. I love it. Kimi's so much. doing well again. Yeah. Which is great. I for me, I love all these new names. I love the um, the new livery from Sauber. Okay. I think it's yeah. gorgeous. I love yeah. all of these new drivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Verstappen is blowing my fucking I mind. I love the story right now, man. Yeah. I love it. So let's talk about I that accident. I hate how much I love actually. him. <laughs> let's talk about that accident, right? Go ahead. Let's yeah. talk about. No, so, let's let's do because I got some uh, stuff to say. All right. So Roman Grosjean is going into turn. Uh, turn one. Is that turn, turn one? one? Turn one. Turn one. one. Is, right. Okay. Um, I forget because that the start is so curved. Yeah. You know? It's a. So. Yeah, going into turn one, and he's, in my opinion, I, I thought he was sitting, like, right in the middle of the lane, you know, and then just looked like he was breaking super early. Yeah, he was hamming it up. It looked like he hammed it up. Yeah. Bit. And Verstappen is clearly faster, and being a 17-year-old kid going faster than, you know, a veteran like Grosjean, you'd be like, yeah, I'm going to get this kid, you know, or, I mean, not get this kid, get this fucking old guy out of my way. This geezer. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass in Monaco, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I'm going to do it. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, you know, you have a big red brake light coming at your face, and you just throw the car to the right as quickly as you can, and your left tire catches his back right tire, and you just go flying in the air. He almost lands like straight into that 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 dugout, 
you know, and that was a wild crash. You know? That was a, yeah, it was that, a scary. For Monaco, that, that was, was a, a serious one, yeah. And we were, uh, on Sky at least, it was uh, on board. Coffee. Oh, it was I know. so perfect, so exciting. Oh, so good. my <laughs> gosh. Can you believe that view? I w- like, yeah, so I just, I think what that exact moment is exactly what I think this sport needs. Needs way more I of. think you see Verstappen, who is literally, he is just pushing the car to the limits and the only way to find the limit sometime is to go above Over it, it you know Over, yeah and and being a rookie kid like he is like he's so eager to find out where that is yes and knowing that everybody has their eye on him right now because mm-hmm. he's racing well yeah you know he's like yeah i'm gonna find out where this is i'm gonna fucking come at you hard next year yeah. i'm gonna be looking at that championship yeah i loved it i have foreseen him being a champion at some point oh. i hope so and probably not for not probably not too much longer. Yeah. I guarantee he goes up to one of the big boys in a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, and he's going to get a car behind him and he's going to tear away from everybody. Totally agree. It was just so exciting watching him gun it right there and just go for it. You know, I, I feel, I feel like there is a bit of reserve in a lot of the drivers that has come up now. Um, I think Felipe Massa even criticized Verstappen after the race for like how, um, just careless he was being, but it's like, no, dude, fuck that. Like he was, he was going for it. Yeah. So yeah, that was nice. Yeah. Um, so there were, uh, for shopping accuses Grosjean of, uh, brake testing him, you know, mm, just seeing like, yeah. this kid needs to get off my <laughs> ass right now. I'm going to see if you can hang with this, this test. But apparently he, he argues that he bra- he broke uh five feet later that lap than the previous previous lap. And I'm like, doubtful. He looked like he was going well, snail's pace. No, I mean, the data showed that that was the case. Really? So, yeah. He breaks later than usual. Later than usual. And that blew my mind because, like, you know, then that makes me think, okay, if I'm for stopping and this guy is breaking this late and, like, if that's where he's breaking and that's, like, a late break for him, imagine what that breaking looked like the previous lap yeah, before the hell. accident. You know what I mean? Like, he must have been way outside – you know, breaking super early and coasting right into that, that corner, you know? So if I'm for stopping, I'm like, this guy is just hanging on this corner. I can <laughs> bite right here, yeah. you know? Hmm. And so how do we, how do we feel with McLaren's, um, showing up with, the with the Honda? So disappointing. Like, yeah, is it? I, I, I thought yeah. they'd have some, I'd have, I thought I they'd thought have something more by now. I agree. They, but they did, you know, at the very beginning, they predicted that this was going to be the case, that they were going to have a lot of growing pains in the first yeah. half of the season. But and I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't this... going to be until Silverstone that time where they felt like they, they had Europe. They said Silverstone. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Europe, Silverstone. They, you know, bounced around from from time frame. But Silverstone was what I heard was where they were actually going to. I think they felt it had a reliable, strong car that they could start getting into the Q3s and start really getting some points on, yeah. their, on their team. Which it was nice to see Button up there getting points. He got points for race. the first time. Um, but at Monaco, watching uh, Fernando Alonso have just his car shut down on him in qualifying, yeah. it's just like, damn it, you know? I, come on, I wish... Yeah, it's been really rough to watch. I feel like I can't blame them. I mean, they're going through exactly what all the other teams did last year. We're just having to watch it now at the backdrop of them, all the other teams doing better. Better, yeah. But but I don't know. Honda is, has F1 experience, and not too long ago. I don't know all, exactly when But they, in the V8s, not in the V6s. Okay. That's true. They've never go. had to design an engine like this before. Okay. Well, I guess there it is. So going up to the front of the pack now, we still see Lewis Hamilton on top. 
Um, but it's close now. It is closer. It's like something like 10 points, it's, right? It's like 11 to 12 or something yeah. down there. That's kind of what makes this exciting is that back last year, we always knew it was going to be Hamilton, Rosberg, barring any kind of mechanical screw up. Yeah. It was always going to be Rosberg and Hamilton. And now, you know, even if they did mess up, they were still so far ahead in the points, it didn't matter. Right. They were right. only battling each other. And now you look at it, uh, Kimmy, Sebastian, Rosberg, they're all in it. Like if Lewis or Rosberg do a DNF, I mean, that's going to throw everything out of, out of whack. Th- and it could be anyone's game at that point. And I love how right. the leads have been, you know, and, and typically the, the first – First place driver, it's been sizable. I mean, even when Rosberg pulled away in Monaco, you know, he's finishing by like four to six seconds or whatever. But that's not the 30 seconds that we saw. Right. Exactly. You know. We saw him finish like 45 seconds or something in Sochi last year. Which is just stupid. Well, yeah. because because Rosberg had to fight his way from the pack. Uh-huh. You know, so you did, you had like third place. I forget who even, who it even was. Um, just being like, you know, had a whole like second place position in between them pretty much. You know, so it was like 45 seconds or something crazy. So at least we're not seeing that anymore. That's great. That's promising. The gap is shrinking. Yeah. But it's there. But it's there. Yeah. To be expected to some degree. But, mm-hmm. you know, like we've seen other people win already. And it just like that makes me so happy. It's yeah. Like if we can get in, if we're going to get into a hot season here, maybe we see Ferrari do a little bit better because that's what they they kind of thought a lot of their success at Malaysia was due to the heat. Yeah. The Mercedes couldn't hang in the heat and that Ferrari could. Um, I would love to see uh, Vettel get that number two pole again, you know, position more often. That would be awesome. Sure. Um, now, Rosberg's mental resolve. Now, I feel like by the end of the season uh, last year, the beginning of this one, we felt like he was men- mentally defeated, you know, mm-hmm. when okay. he was like yeah. constantly asking his drivers like where he was on the track, like yeah. what he should be doing. He didn't sound like a high caliber race driver well it was that it was that wreck at spa where he got tore into for crashing in hamilton Mm -hmm. and i think that that rattled him severely as far as shook his confidence and from there it was downhill from him yeah because at sochi he bit it in that first turn yeah and so hard i loved that yeah (laughs) balded his tires had a pit and then in monza he blew that same turn twice Twice. to give hamilton to give hamilton the lead loved that do we feel like now he is maybe gaining any more confidence? Um, how do we feel about Rosberg as a competitor to, to, what do you to think, Hamilton? What do you think Monaco did for his confidence? Because, like, my takeaway from his reaction is just, like, he gave himself – he looked way more excited than I thought he should be. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, it's he still won the race. Of course he's going to be excited. But, I don't know, you know, like, I, and I'll agree with Chase that he recognizes very much up front, off the bat – that that was luck. Yeah. Straight up luck that he got that win. Does he? He does. There was there was oh, a yes. there was a like interview. All the interviews, all the articles are saying he recognized that that was just, you know, you can't count out luck in Formula 1. Right. Stuff happens. Sure. But, yeah, it, but how does he it, he did not try to go on a tangent saying I earned that. I you know, you know I, I earned I, that I win. Like, I think like intellectually, like he can see how like clearly it was Hamilton to lose and Hamilton lost. But I think, like, emotionally, he still strikes me as being, like, I'm a winner. I'm in this race. I'm, like, being competitive right now. Yeah. And I guess, like, if you can, like, lay at the bottom of the table and, like, you know, get the scraps, then <laughs> get it, you know? Yeah. That's how you're going to win races in F1 still. 
you know, so I, that's why I was happy to see that terrible box for, for, by Hamilton. But um, I think, like, emotionally, he still doesn't, like, understand that he's not, you know, the points don't reflect that reality right now. You know, the points are skewed towards him in a, in a big way. Sure. Um, Ferrari. They're showing up. I wish Kimmy was doing more work, honestly. Like, I don't know. I think, like, he's still messy with that car. I don't think he's, like, a perfect fit for it still. He hasn't been challenging the front three at all. No. Right? He's just kind of hanging back there. He's he's doing what he he's doing what he can right now, but he's never – you never feel like he's ever a threat. Yeah. Do you think that reflects um, the driving ability of Vettel, his teammate, the fact that his teammate is consistently finishing – you know, a, a good amount ahead of him could be. Yeah, I think there's a there's a story there between like the the driving styles and the driving quality, driving skills of each of those drivers. Um, I think Vettel is by far like a more like uh, skilled pilot. Sure. Yeah. Now I I did not expect them to show up the way they did. Ferrari had a huge overhaul with management. I love this, this storyline. Yep. Tons of new new blood. You've got Vettel in there who was just invigorated by his love for the team. You know his hero Michael Schumacher being there for so long. Yeah. And really coming up and and showing that it was all worth something. And not only that, but they just recently um, built a new aerodynamics testing chamber. So they're about to be really hitting it even harder you know i hope so and i read too that they're going to tr use some of their engine tokens for canada they're gonna i think there's a lot of people using i think mercedes is also using engine tokens for yeah. mercedes for um it's good it's exciting canada. yeah um so i guess last but not least watching red bull really disintegrate has been interesting this season yeah. the the problem there is renault it is renault yeah. the, the engine is killing them they're, I mean, I think they're already having to take penalties on Ricardo because he's blown all the engines he's already yeah. had for the season. Yeah. They're, he's already on f the fourth or fifth engine. They're going to have to take penalties. It's crazy. By the end of the season, and a lot of them. So. That I, sucks. It, I, it really sucks. I, yeah, I feel like, really bad for Ricardo. Yeah, he's a great driver. I really want to see him succeed. Yeah, it sucks seeing competitive drivers out there for a reason not to their own, you know? Mm -hmm. So. Because yeah. you want to see the sport be as competitive as it possibly can be. And if we had, like good engines in those uh those red bulls they would be flying i agree so yeah i think we have on our hands a, a, a fairly competitive season i, mean, I don't excited. i don't think anything is truly like known at this point as yeah. far as like where people We're probably are what finish. six seven races in now i, I can't remember yeah i don't six know six or seven of 19 so we're, i mean we're still scratching the surface of that's of so these races. exciting uh, you know yeah. we still I'm got so like excited. six months worth of racing goes and hell yeah it's, I mean, it's really anyone's game right now it you know, really is like i've told you before like i just hope for those box mistakes that like gives ferrari an opportunity to get way more points no, no more box for, no, no more box mistakes <laughs> i don't know they're definitely it, no I more mean, but like maybe not box but there could be something else out don't there put you, you know, don't put like, that bad juju on him <laughs> unforeseen get your juju out of here <laughs> unforeseen problems that like make this game the crazy sport that it can be. Yeah. You know? Well, I agree completely. This has been an amazing time to be an F1 fan. What about, okay, let's talk about Canada for a little bit because this is actually one of my favorite tracks and I think you're, some yeah. of y'all aren't too big of a fan of it. Well, I just don't know much about it. Nah, really. neither do I. I. I think this is one of the races that I've seen the most. Mm -hmm. So, like, I, I could picture the track very well. Mm. There's, like, good overtaking spots it's like it's a fun it's like on a little island so it looks really pretty you uh -huh. get awesome shots of the cars 
and uh, I'm really stoked for it. Yeah, like, I mean, it, it's an, it's another race weekend, I man. I can't wait. I'm, I'm, it's, I'm there. It's nobody's home race, so it makes, like, a wide-open field. Sure. You know? That's true. Everyone's away from home. Everyone's evil, even footing. Yeah? Yeah. Yep. Well, that's been just the quip. It's been fun. Hopefully, all of your gearheads gearheads are still listening. Who knows how long? <laughs> Put you to sleep already. I mean, I feel like there's got to be some some car guys out there who find this interesting. But if not, it's for us anyway. We <laughs> came here to drink scotch and talk F1, and we decided to record it. I so think we have succeeded. I think we're Sue keep us. Doing it, so. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I'm gonna go ahead and start all of the uh, plugging. So you can find Witty Banter and Just the Quip on iTunes. Just search Witty Banter, and you should find us. Hit subscribe. All of our episodes will show up in your download queue for free. You can keep up with us on Facebook or Facebook.com slash Witty Banter Podcast. If you don't have iTunes, that's fine. You can download our episodes at WittyBanterShow.com. We're also on Twitter. We are at Witty Banter Show, but we never use it. So, But you can follow us anyway. Why not? Um, we're also on YouTube. Search for our videos. We haven't been able to post any um, recently, but we have a lot of old topics up there and fun games for you if you want to watch. Just search Witty Banter episode, whatever, and you should find us. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Bodacious Chase. Uh, you are Steven Shivana. Steven Shivana, are you on Twitter? Uh, not really. No, you don't want to follow your boy. I fo- I I have a handle, but I don't ever post you don't use it. I log in maybe once every three months. That's fine. If you're a fan of Just the Quip and you want to submit an idea for a show, just send it in to wittybantershow at gmail and we would be happy to oblige you. But other than that, you can get us where you always get us, and we are out of here. Thank you so much, everybody. David, thanks for being on the show. Had Thank you for blast. bringing your scotch. My pleasure. Really appreciate always it. Always look for an excuse to drink some scotch with friends. Oh, we found it. <laughs> Steven, thanks for coming in here and lending your voice. Oh, you're so welcome, man. Yeah, and as always, this has been Witty Banter. Bit-o-bit-boop. Bit-o-bit-boop. Bit-o-boop. And we are out. Goodbye. <laughs>